Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's associate director and your host, Hamish Peary. Welcome to the Travcast. Travcast is our regular writer salon, where I get the amazing opportunity to sit in front of a writer, look into the whites of their eyes, and try and persuade them to expel some of the truths of their craft and art to us, the eager audience. This month, I'm very excited to be sitting in front of Mourner Pearson. Mourner's first play, Distracted, was on here at the Traverse in 2006. That play went on to win the Mayor Whitworth Award in 2007. Her other work includes Elf Analysis, Macbeth, Macpets, Side Effects, and uh, she's currently under commission for the NT Connections for the 2013 season, and very excitingly, is in the final week of rehearsals for The Artist Man and The Mother Woman to be performed here in the Traverse Theatre opening next week. Now for a Travcast first, this interview will be mixed up with some interviews with the actors and directors of the production and some small snippets of the play in rehearsals. Mourna, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. As a little you, Mourna, and for me, I always think I've said this before on the show, of course, is go back to the idea of me in a puddle mm-hmm. when I was sort of forming what I was or what I am. When did you first start to think about anything that could be about telling a story or maybe before it was even writing, maybe? I don't know. What was it? And what was it? Um, hard to say exactly, but um, I think I think definitely... I think me and my sisters played a lot when we were younger, as children do. And um, so we're always making up things, making our family watch little review shows. Um, and I think we definitely started forming stories on the in the walk to school. It's quite an interesting walk. Um, and, and yeah, it's always filled my, filled my time creating wee stories and things. Talk to me about that walk to school. Why was it an interesting walk? <laughs> well, because there were walls to walk on and there were went past a conquer tree. Um, so that was fun in the autumn. And um, went down... Um, there's a long path and there's always, like, things to... You know... I don't know. Things to throw. <laughs> and plants to pick and stuff yeah so things to distract your mind as you made up extra stories um I, I, well it's hard to say I wasn't focused on story <laughs> stories but it was just one of those things um I don't know what was it that drew it that drew you to the idea what then what do you think it was that, that you liked about coming coming up with stories in your head because as, as an only child I used to do that mm. Obviously, didn't go on to do very good ones like you, but and I could feel that there was a sort of a comfort to that. So was it something that drew you to that, or to making the review shows with your with your sisters? Um, I suppose it's fun. 
and I suppose it was for fun and possibly for attention. <laughs> um, and yeah, I suppose. Uh, and I suppose in the eighties, that's kind of what you did, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> um, there wasn't, you know, depends how many toys you had, but um, if you spent a lot of time outside or whatever, yeah, don't know. And was it that sense of? Um well, what is it? Is there any links between what draws you to writing now and what drew you to writing then? Um, I think, well, it's maybe as I got older, um, the link or what drew me into writing or drama is probably the escapism part of it. I think definitely um, in my kind of mid-teens, I kind of got heavily into black and white films and um and and that's that's pretty much as far away from teenage life as you can get <laughs> um films in the from the 40s and 30s um and it was a, it was a lonely pursuit I would say <laughs> I, I somehow couldn't force my friends to to join me in it but um uh yeah so I, um and I think a couple of my favourite ones happened to be originally from stage plays like Streetcar Named Desire and Harvey. They're probably still um, some of my favourite films right now as well. Was there when you said they were from stage plays? Was that your link into theatre? Do you lo- do you love those films um, and then follow them through? Or? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, I suppose. I suppose doing drama there. We went to the theatre. There wasn't many visiting companies to Elgin Town Hall. So we had to travel to with a school to Aberdeen. I think we saw Men Should Weep at Aberdeen. Or to Edinburgh to see musicals mainly. Um, so I suppose I was looking for something else. She creates very humorous but dark uh, scenarios and situations um, which is it's, it's highly enjoyable to um, act out and um, very uh, what the word uh, concentrated uh, process to be part of um, to kind of give it your all when you're doing our scenes I think when you're a Whenever you're doing any bits of, Morna wor- of Morna's work, y- you kind of have to give it a hundred percent and no less, because the scenarios that <laughs> uh, played played in any other way, any, any less less commitment uh, just comes across as farcical. So, I suppose what I mean by a hundred percent, you just have to fully commit to it, as crazy as it is. So, how do ideas? I've got a little bit of an idea. There's a wonderful image of you walking across that wall and picking up uh, conkers. Mm. And then now the grown-up... the grown um, And throwing things. But the grown-up Mona Pearson, how does... How do your ideas... Is there a start? Is there a certain way they start or do they just pop into your head? Um, definitely characters pop into my head. Definitely lead with 
my ideas lead with the main character, I think. Um, but as to how they appear, um, it's probably about a million different tiny ideas that all kind of collect into one strange character. Um, and then I start to build up the world around them, who, who the who's in their life and what they do, what they want although what they want is usually nothing or they don't even know what they want themselves <laughs> makes my job easier but, um, yeah. <laughs> do you when you say don't know what they want, it's often for you they don't know what they want until they get into the yeah, or it's more a subconscious want I suppose I don't know, I think she writes, she must, well I don't know how can I say what she does but she. I think it's a lot of subconscious sort of stuff in it which is quite um, epic in a domestic situation, which is great. She's not too explicit. She doesn't, she doesn't tell you everything. She doesn't tell the audience everything. So the, the audience have got a lot of dots to fill in as well. You don't understand it straight off. You've got to work at it. So, and we've still got over a week left. So still things, it's, it, it's just like a mine that you never get to the bottom of. So we're kind of finding things all the time. Uh, which is brilliant. So you're, n you're never, we haven't really landed on a lot of things yet. We've got a lot of good things, but there could be more nuggets down there that we've still to find. Now, one thing I want to ask about is, you know the George Bernard Shaw quote? Mm -hmm. uh, the artist man and the mother woman. Yep. I had got the idea for the play by then, so I think I was probably, I'd probably started writing it. And it always annoys me when I don't have a title. Um, so I think I was looking around for a title. De definitely Artist Man. For some reason I thought that would be in the title. So I think I must have Googled it. And, <laughs> and that quote came up. And it happened to fit the play. Although, it, I mean, it might have, might have been in a different play without finding that quote because cause it kind of helped me focus as to what the story I was telling. I already had the I already knew that the the main character's mother was very important and it was about their relationship, but I might have been persuaded to I might have been distracted by the other characters a bit too much if I hadn't had that focus. Yeah, it's a fascinating idea. Of sort of use, really using that title almost like you would have Yeah. Like for an essay or something of working to that, giving yourself mm. a framework. Yeah. You don't have any. Have you noticed any? It's not from observation of the difficulty of of that relationship anywhere, is it? As oh, I wouldn't. I call yeah. myself mildly artistic, and my relationship. When I read that title and that quote, I thought, "Oh right, that makes sense a little bit." There's no. There's <laughs> no. About you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. I don't think I'm Jeffrey Bunter. You. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. But have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed? It's not from any personal experience. Have you seen that relationship? Uh, the no, mother, it's not visiting a mother and a, a boyfriend and going, oh my good lord. No, no, there's no, no personal experience, um, which, which has surprised me about how well it's been received from the reading of it in April. Um, I didn't expect it to be received so well because it's not from um, a personal, you know. So I wasn't sure if it had the depth that you need, you know. There was no blood, sweat or tears went into it, writing it. It was just one of these things. 
Jeffy? What was that? Oh, that was our wifey after a date. A date? I put an advert up in the Sainsbury's for a girlfriend. You what? Well, I was thinking if I got a lady friend, that would stop the bullying. And the teacher's Christmas dance is in December. And if I turn up with a girlfriend, maybe it would all stop. Okay, I'm, I'm fed up with the teasing. I'm either a virgin or a practicing homosexual, and I just wish they'd knock up their minds. You can there's nothing. Do you hear me? Nothing wrong with keeping your virtue. And you came my thoughts about the error. Just the need for people. Just get so lonely about here. Especially when you go to your bed after eight o'clock. You've a shed full of art materials. But painting the plants and the trees and the fruit, it's just, it's a lonely pursuit. Well, as for getting a girlfriend, then he thinks. All right. Just be so impractical, yeah? I mean, where would you sit? We've got four chairs. Aye, but I use that end to keep my earning, you use that end to keep your schoolwork. But I thought he was moving us. And what if you was to marry her? Where would you sleep? And with me. You've got a single bed mind. Did you know I discussed it with me first? But I'm an independent man. Jeffrey, if you step into the dating arena, they will rip you limb from limb. Hmm. Even your pepper spray can't help you now. Usually I start writing from quite a personal kind of, it's definitely not biographical stuff, all right, but it's definitely start from an emotional starting point or, um, but then I push it so far away that it's unrecognisable, if you know what I mean. Um, but uh, this one was just fun to write, whereas my other stuff's not quite so fun. <laughs> so the act of, you enjoyed the act of writing this one in a way that you haven't before? Um, to a certain extent, yeah. Um, yeah, because I could stand back from it a bit. Um, but also, I mean, it's hard to say it's not... It was written over a very long time, so even with the time between writing the first draft and then working on it this year, that gave me some distance from it, so I don't know if, you know, it might, might have been a different play if I'd finished it another time. I think it's that mixture of the tragic and the comic that is irresistible. It's a world you want to dive into and be in. Every scene is like a, a present and a surprise. So it keeps you on your toes. You can never relax into it. She has a style very distinctively hers. So um, it's getting to grips with that. And, and to use a word that Anne used, mine. You have to mine the depths of it. And that, that goes for its comedic possibility as well as it's tragic that it has depth and so it takes time and you come back to a scene and each time it can be quite different 
when some of the actors that I interviewed talking about your play, mm-hmm. uh, they had a really brilliant time working on your play. Uh, and they talked a lot about, and the director talked about you giving them room for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Because you don't give away too much. Because you give away, put little clues and don't tell them too much. Mm. Do you do that on purpose? Do you? You're not too explicit in your writing. You, you write a scene, that's what it is, and then they have to work it out, and the audience have to work it out. Is that something you do on purpose, or is that something that t- feels strange to you that they've even thought of that? Um, I mean, you can never be too specific anyway, because unless you're performing it yourself, then you know, find that somebody else is gonna come in. You can't tell them to do it in a certain way. Um, and they, more often than not, bring a whole new level in life to the character that you hadn't even considered. So sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's on purpose, and sometimes I just don't know. So I just leave, or don't know what's maybe don't know what's required. I think there's a, there's often clues to the character, um, but I don't think there's always a right and wrong answer. Um, Yeah, I think once there should be enough clues in the text to know how this character would react in a different situation that isn't in the text, if you know what I mean, as a person <laughs> <laughs> to exist, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if that answers the question. Yeah, it does really brilliantly. There's <laughs> um, a particular line in The Arts Man and the Mother Woman that really hit me, which was, I was a prick to think I had friends. <laughs> and it's just a it's just it's a relatively throwaway line in a in mm. a built to moment, but somehow amongst all the dark comedy and the strangers, it really seems to sum up that moment of growing up as mm. a teenager. Did you have you know, what makes you tell is there a particular reason why you wanted to tell this story of the of that teenager alongside a man that didn't want to grow up? Yeah, well I mean they seem they're often quite on the same level. <laughs> they seem to have um, a common understanding to some extent, but they're so different. Um, their mothers play an important role in their in how their lives have turned out, but on, they're on the opposite scale of each other, and. Um, I just thought it was a nice contrast. <laughs> Got that. <laughs> Not so, um, yeah, and so so the can bond over their mothers. Um, sort of moving away from the actual practicality of the plays. This is one more quote, which is of Virginia Woolf. Um, if you have other things in your life, family, friends on a good productive day work, then these can interact with your writing and the sum will be all the richer. Virginia Woolf said this, I'm aware of a woman who took her own life, so I'm aware of the irony of that. Mm. Do you... This question isn't me trying to get a Heat magazine-style scoop on your personal life by any means, but do you feel the effects of your work on the rest of your life, or likewise, do you... Is there a certain way that you know... If everything else is in order, then it's easier to write, or are you the other way around? How um, is it, what's the interaction there? 
Um, yeah, I suppose if everything's uh, going really well, it's easier to to write, you know. Um, but it's, but I think you need, <laughs> unfortunately, need uh, challenging times to have um, to feed off of, I suppose. Um, to a certain extent, definitely when I was younger, that was the case. Um, yeah. Brilliant. And then what about, um, as far as now on that line, I mean, what are the most practical conditions that you can work on a practical level you need to correct in order for, you know, do you like a big breakfast or do you have a favourite seat? Um, <coughs> I would, uh, um, I do have a desk but it's not very tidy, so I end up just sitting on the sofa. Um, I definitely need to be warm. <laughs> uh, but no, I think I don't um, really have a routine or anything. I just do what needs done when it needs done. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of writers would like to be have access just to get on with it in that wonderful practical way. I have a really wonderful image of you sitting on that sofa in a warm... In a slanket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't have a slanket. Do you Honestly. not? No, no. <laughs> it's, it's a visual. A, it's a rumour. Morna, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for the last 20 minutes of your life. It's really, really kind of you to give that to us. Thank you. It's OK, thanks. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.